Hey, it is such an honor to be with you this morning, church. My name is Shane, and I want to briefly just kind of introduce myself and tell you about my most important ministry, and that is my family. I have a uh, wonderful wife named Casey, and we've been married for 11 years, and, um, and we have four kiddos under the age of 10. That is a prayer request, all right? Um, we have our oldest daughter is nine. Her name is Reagan. Our next one down is Harper. She is four. Our next one down is Titus. He is three and adopted from Uganda, Africa. And then our youngest is our son, Elliot. He is four months and adopted from here in Texas. And so that is my most important ministry, primary ministry. And then I also get to travel around and speak to teenagers just about every weekend and throughout the summer. And so it is an honor to be with you. And it's been an honor to be with your students this week. And God has moved. In fact, if you made, students, if you made some sort of decision this week, if you came forward at all for anything, whether it was salvation, uh, repentance, call to ministry, baptism, whatever, would you just stand? Just stand if you came forward this week and made some kind of decision for the Lord. And can we give the Lord a hand for that? Isn't that amazing? Awesome. Awesome. God's good. Awesome. You may be seated. Thank you. And also, I want to just briefly um, just thank uh, Matthew and Josh do such a great job loving on, their, on your students. And so let's give the Lord a hand for Matthew and Josh and how they lead the students. And then also church, um, also church, I've gotten to know your pastor and Pastor Sean and what a blessing he is. And the Bible tells us to honor those who are faithful in leading us. So aren't you thankful for your pastor? Let's give the Lord a hand for your pastor. He's a great, great man and it's an honor. So pastor, thank you for letting me preach this morning. I'll tell you what, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in a pew in front of you, so grab that one. If you open it up and sing, uh, see music notes, that's the hymnal. Put that one back and grab the Bible. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 is right after Acts chapter 4. Does that help anybody? All right, church. I'll tell you what, um, I'm, I'm excited to see your faces. Are you glad to be here this morning? In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to see me today. Tell them that. All right. Awesome. I tell you what, church, I just love, I just love the energy you have this morning. And I don't know about you, but I like to enjoy church. Don't you like to go to church and enjoy yourself? Don't you like that? You know, and so I tell you what, um, I don't know about you, but I get a little excited about Jesus. And so I'm going to make a deal with you because I love hearing amens and praise the Lord and hallelujahs and all that. So I'm going to make a deal with you this morning, church. For every amen or praise the Lord I hear, I'm going to take 30 seconds off the sermon. How about that? Is that good? Is that a good deal? All right. Acts chapter 5. If you would, turn to Acts chapter 5. That's where we'll be today. How many of you agree it looks like our nation and our country has lost its mind? Does anybody agree with that? When you read the newspaper, watch the news, it looks like everyone has lost their mind. In fact, it's real easy to say, where is God in all this? It reminds me of a single mom. And this single mother was raising two teenage boys. And these two teenage boys were giving this mom fits. And so she went to the pastor and she said, Pastor, um, would you talk to my boys and see the pastor of the church was a very kind man, but he was also a very strict and stern man. And so she goes, Pastor, my two boys are knuckleheads. Would you talk to them? And the pastor said, sure, you bring them up to the church. I'll talk to them. So the very next day, here comes this single mom bringing two teenage boys up to the church. The pastor said, hey, you go home. I'll talk to them. 
and I'll send them home when we're done. And she said, okay. So he goes, boys, come into my office and sit down. So the two boys came into his office, sat down. He closed the door. He came around to the other side of his desk, and he looked at each of those teenage boys in the eyes, and he said, young men, where is God? And both of them, their eyes got real big. And he goes, I'm going to ask you again, where is God? And their mouths gaped open. And he goes, I'm going to ask you one more time, where is God? And both of them yelled, ran out of his office, ran out of the church, ran down the street, ran into their home, went into their room, and slammed the door. And the mom goes, goodness, what happened? So she walks into the room, and both of the boys just look with panic looks on their faces. And she said, boys, what happened? And she goes, mama, we're in trouble now because evidently God's missing, and the preacher thinks we have something to do with it, you know? <laughs> and so it's easy to look at everything that's going on and go, where is God? And so people of God children of God, sons and daughters of God, I want you this morning, everybody just do this with me as we start this morning. Just everybody take a deep breath. Everybody go like this, go. <sighs> you know where God is? God is the same place he was 2,000 years ago when his son hung on a cross in our place. God is on his throne. And God is in control. And God's got this. And believe it or not, God's got a will and God's got a plan and God is God, and God is in control, and at the end of the day, you know why we all get nervous? We, you know why we all get a little bit anxious? Because we want to be in control, am I right? How many of you would just confess your sin this morning and say you're a little bit of a control freak? Anybody a little bit of a control freak? If you're not raising your hand, you're just lying, right? We're a little bit of a control freak, and that's why we get stressed, because we want to be in control, but let me tell you this morning, listen, it is not your job to be in control. The reason we get stressed is we're trying to do a job that's above our pay grade. It's God's job to be in control. And as people of God, our only job is to trust God to do his job. And he's very good at his job. Amen? God is in control. He is God. He's got a will. He's got a plan. And he is God. So I want you to write some things down this morning. If you have a piece of paper, if you'd get that out or your bulletin and get something to write with. So if you got a pen or pencil or highlighter or lipstick, eyeliner, whatever you got, get that out this morning. I want you to jot some things down. So if you're in the sermon titles, the title of the sermon this morning is this, a movement of God cannot be stopped. A movement of God cannot be stopped. The theme this weekend was relentless. Listen, when a people of God relentlessly follow Jesus because they realized that a loving God first relentlessly pursued them and the people of God get a heart for God and relentlessly pursue him, then a movement of God cannot be stopped. And I want you to see this in Acts chapter 5, verse 27 this morning. So Acts chapter 5, verse 27. If you're with me, say, uh-huh. God is good. All the time. All right, let's look at it. Verse 27. It says, and when they had brought them. Well, who's the they and them there? The they was known as the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a religious council made up of 70 men, and they were all very religious. But they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe Jesus was the Savior. They didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But they were very relig religious. They were very astute men. All right, And this council was made up of 70 men. Now, some of these men were scribes. 
Some of these men were Pharisees and some of these men were Sadducees and normally all these men hated each other. But one thing they all agreed upon was they could not stand Jesus. Now see, the scribes were the ones who had copied down the Old Testament scrolls. The Pharisees were the ones who kept the religious laws as best they could, 613 of them. They were very religious. And then the Sadducees were religious, but they did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. Boo, no. So that was the day. Very religious. They could not stand Jesus. They could not stand his disciples. So look at this. When they, the Sanhedrin, brought them. Who's the them there? This is the disciples, the followers of Jesus. So it says, when they, the Sanhedrin, brought them, the disciples, they set them before the council, the Sanhedrin there. And the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. And what is that name, church? Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say Jesus. Jesus. All right, now say it like you got some soul. We're going to have some church up in here. Say Jesus, all right? All right? So it says, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name Jesus, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But look at verse 29. I love this. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey who, church? God rather than what? Man. Write this down. Number one, point number one this morning. A movement of God is about obedience. A movement of God is about obedience. I love it. So they bring Peter and the guys in and says, stop preaching about Jesus. Stop sharing the gospel. And this is what they say. We must obey God rather than man. Now let's talk, church. Because many of us, and I'm preaching to myself more than anybody this morning. Many of us are more concerned about being people pleasers than we are God pleasers. Amen? Think about the church, the church in America today. A lot of us, we're more concerned about being politically correct than we are biblically correct. Like, God is God, and it says that as people of God, a movement of God is about obedience. That means we have a boss, we have a king, and his name is who? Jesus. So that means he is our boss. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is our king. He is our El Jefe. Amen? <laughs> what he says goes. So a movement of God is about a people of God obeying their king. So let's think about it. You know, we talked about earlier, it looks like the country's losing its mind, right? And isn't it always a little bit worse in a, an election year? <laughs> Like, isn't social media almost insufferable right now? Like, all of your friends have all of suddenly become political experts, haven't they? <laughs> you're like, you look at Facebook and you're like, I know you. You can barely spell your own name. And all of a sudden, now you're a political analyst, right? You know, so it's easy for us to lose our mind. Listen, we should vote, amen? Men and women have died for our right and freedom to vote. And we, as people of God, should vote with our convictions. Amen? But we forget that God is in control. And we almost get so panicked that we're like, oh, goodness, if so-and-so becomes president, we're all going to die. <laughs> and we forget God is God. Listen, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who the president is because Jesus is king. Amen? 
and you can't impeach him, and he ain't going to resign, and you didn't vote him into office, and you can't vote him out of office. Amen? So a movement of God is about obedience. Number two, write this down. A movement of God is about the gospel. A movement of God is about the gospel. Look at verse 30. I love verse 30. Because the council brings Peter and the guys in and says, hey, stop preaching the gospel. And Peter goes, great, we obey God rather than you. Have you ever heard the gospel? And Peter starts preaching the gospel to him. <laughs> I love it. So he says, stop preaching the gospel. And Peter goes, well, here it is. Look at verse 30. The God of our fathers raised who, church? Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree across. Verse 31, God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior, and we all should say amen. We celebrate Easter soon, and God has raised Jesus. The grave is empty to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we should all once again say amen. Anybody got some sins in your life? Anybody got some things you're not proud of? Anybody got a past? Anybody got some things? You know what I mean? Look at verse 32. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given those to obey him. The movement of God is about the gospel. You know what the gospel means? We get the word gospel from the Greek word euangelion. Turn to your neighbor and say euangelion just because it's fun. You know what euangelion literally means? It literally means this. Good news. How many of you need some good news in your life? Anybody need some good news? Anybody received any bad news lately? Anybody seen any bad news? It reminds me of the guy who went to the doctor. And the doctor goes, I got bad news for you and I got really bad news for you. And the guy goes, well, gosh, I guess give me the bad news first. And the doctor goes, well, the bad news is you have 24 hours to live. And the guy goes, gosh, it gets worse than that. What's the really bad news? And the doctor goes, I meant to call you yesterday. <laughs> That's a bad day, right? That's bad news. Or I don't know, did you see what happened right outside of Eastland this weekend? Like bad news, there was a guy pumping gas at the gas station and when he pulled the nozzle out of his car to put it back on the pump, he sprayed gasoline on his arm. He got in his car and started driving down I-20 and lit a cigarette. And the ash from his cigarette fell on his arm and caught his arm on fire. So he rolled down the window and started waving his arm out the window trying to put the fire out and a police officer on I-20 pulled him over and arrested him for waving a firearm. Can you believe that? Like, that is a bad day. Hey, last week I preached in Oklahoma and used that joke, and afterward people came up and goes, was that true? You know, Oklahoma, what do you know? Like, they just got TV last year, you know what I mean? All right, no, I'm just kidding. Those are bad news. We get lots of bad news. I, I heard one guy say this, you're either in the middle of bad news or you're coming out of bad news or buckle up because you're about to go through bad news. We've all received that. But the gospel is good news and the gospel is the greatest news. Listen, church, you have something that people need that Walmart can't provide. And that's the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is this. God created us. Sin separated us. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus, our king, our boss, the son of God who has always existed, left heaven, took a mission trip to planet Earth, 
wrapped on human flesh, became a man to die as a man for mankind, but never stopped being God. Think about it. The good news is Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. Think about it. Everything he did was awesome. I walked the teenagers through this Friday night. Everything he did was awesome. Think about it. He caused the blind to see. He caused the deaf to hear. He caused the mute to shout praises to God. He caused the handicapped to get up and sprint. That's very personal to me. My three-year-old is in a wheelchair. Jesus walked on water. He calmed the storm with his voice. He called Lazarus out of the grave. You know what I love about that story? It says Lazarus was dead four days, and when they rolled a stone away, if you have a King James Bible, it said he stinketh. <laughs> he was dead. And Jesus said, arise, and he did. That's awesome. Think about it. Jesus fed over 5,000 with two fish sandwiches. Subway has nothing on that brother, right? I mean, think about how awesome that story is. A little boy brought two sardines to lunch. Jesus prayed over it. When everybody opened their eyes, there was Moby Dick laying on the beach. Jesus, our king, is awesome. And then at the end of 33 years, he hung on a cross, our cross. Took my place in your place. When they shoved a crown of thorns on his head, that should have been me. When they spit in his face, that should have been you. When they beat him to an inch of his life, that should have been us. When they nailed him to a cross, that should have been us. But our king, our Lord, our boss hung on the cross out of love for us. He became our sacrifice. He became our substitute. And he died there. This Friday, we celebrate Good Friday. It was good for us, but absolute suffering for him. And he died there. And they took his lifeless body off the cross and they put it in a borrowed grave. And you know why it was a borrowed grave, friend? Because he wasn't going to stay there long, baby. Because <laughs> three days later, Jesus did what Buddha did not do, what Muhammad did not do, what Joseph Smith of Mormonism did not do. Jesus busted out of the grave. Amen? Showing that he had conquered sin, death, stomping on the head of Satan. Showing that God the Father had accepted God the Son's sacrifice on our behalf. And Jesus literally showed himself for 40 days to show that he had literally and physically overcame the grave. You know what I love about those 40 days, church? Is in the Gospels, on two different occasions, it said Jesus cooked breakfast for the disciples. My only question is, how good were those eggs? <laughs> the resurrected Jesus cooked them. <laughs> Those are good eggs right there. And then at the end of 40 days, he climbs on top of a mountain called Olive. And right before his disciples, he ascends into heaven like a bottle rocket. Boom! Goes through the gates of pearl, down the streets of gold, through the singing angels and the bowing elders, and Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. Why did Jesus sit down? Not because he was tired, not because he needed a Starbucks break. Jesus sat down because three very important words he said on the cross. What is it, church? It is what? Finished. But that's not the end of the story. Because one day the trumpet's going to blast, the angels are going to shout, and Jesus is coming back for his church. Do you believe that? People ask all the time, when is he coming back? I don't know, but one thing I do know is today is a heck of a lot closer than yesterday was. I love what one evangelist said. He said, the angel Gabriel's going to toot, and we're going to scoot. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> but what's the church? Is Jesus coming back for this building? Does Jesus come back for buildings? No, Jesus comes back for a people. We're the church. Does sitting inside of this building make you a Christian? Just like sitting inside of a McDonald's ain't going to make you a Happy Meal. We understand that, right? What is a Christian? It says repentance and forgiveness. So repentance means I was going my own way, doing my own thing, saying this is my life, I'll do with it what I want. 
and then I'm interrupted by the truth of the gospel. And I turn from that, and I turn from my sin, and I turn to a savior. And I place my trust, my faith in him. And the moment I do that, he places his Holy Spirit in me. God gives me his very best himself. I get God. I get to know God. I get to behold God. I get to experience God. And when God comes to live inside of me, he brings me peace, hope, joy, love, and forgiveness. And he gives me eternal life that starts right now. Amen? Listen, the gospel is not making a bunch of church people better. The gospel is about making dead people alive. Amen? The gospel so in that, I should always have a good day. No matter what I go through, I'm having a good day. You know why? People go, hey, how's your day? And I go, man, it's a difficult day, but it's a good day because there was once a day where I was dead, and because of Jesus, today I'm alive. So it's a pretty good day, amen? A movement of God is about the gospel. It's good news. Number three, write this down. A movement of God is about a reality. Look at verse 33. I love this. A movement of God is about a reality. So Peter says, hey, you want to hear the gospel? Here it is. And then look at verse 33 because something interesting is going to happen here. A movement of God is about a reality. Look at verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged, the council, and wanted to kill them. Do you know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ being killed all over the world because of the gospel? Wanted to kill them. Look at verse 34. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel. Turn to your neighbor and say Gamaliel. Now Gamaliel was not a believer, but he was a very wise man. All right, he was a very respected man. In fact, one time Gamaliel had a disciple named Saul. You ever heard that name before? Saul later became who? Paul. Listen to what happens here. Named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. Verse 35, listen to what this unbeliever says, still very profound. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do to these men. Look at verse 36. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed, and all who followed him dispersed, and it came to nothing. So he's going to say, hey, remember this? There was another guy who claimed to be somebody. His name was Theodos. About 400 people followed him. When he was killed, they dispersed. It came to nothing. Oh, very wise here. He's going to give some examples where this has happened before. Look at verse 37. And he says, after him, Judas the Galilean, not Judas the Iscariot who betrayed Jesus, another Judas. Look at this. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him we're scattered. Do you see what he's doing here, church? He says, hey, this has happened before. Somebody claimed to be something. He died. All his followers dispersed. It came to nothing. Listen to what this unbeliever says. Very wise, very profound, but listen to what he says. Look at verse 38. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will what, church? Fail. He says, hey, if this Christianity thing is just the movement of man, it will fail. But look at verse 39. Here is the most profound point of all. Look at verse 39. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. 
You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. So this is what he says here. Hey, if this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing, if it's a good movement of man, leave it alone. It'll come to nothing. It'll disappear. However, if this Jesus thing is for real, if this Christianity thing is a movement of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. In fact, you'll be found opposing it. So you can either join the movement or you'll be run over by the movement. Whoa. You know why this is profound for us, church? Because this story is 2,000 years old. Now look to the person to your right. Look to the person to your left. And we're all a product of this movement. And we're all still here. Amen? How many of you feel as though our faith, our Christian faith, is being challenged right now in America? Would you agree with that? It absolutely is. But listen, church, this is nothing new. This is 2,000 years old. Ever since the resurrection of Jesus, they've been over trying to overthrow this movement of God, but this movement of God is a reality. This isn't anything new. Think about it. The Roman Caesars, Diocletian and Nero said this, we will, we will kill all the Christians. We will stop the movement of Christianity. So what did they do? They started chasing down Christians. They would capture them alive, dip them in tar, wrap ropes around them, put them on a stick, raise them up, light them on fire while they were still alive to light up their parties. And this is what they said, we will stop Christianity. All that Nero and Diocletian did was cause Christians to scatter and disperse and they took the gospel with them. Christianity spread through that. So all throughout history, people said, we will stop Christianity. But like Gamaliel said, a movement of God cannot be stopped if it's real. Remember in the 1960s, a singer by the name of John Lennon of the Beatles, what did he say? We are more popular than Jesus. By the end of our lives, the Beatles will be bigger than Christianity. How did that work out for John Lennon? <laughs> a movement of God cannot be stopped. One of my favorite stories of all time is about the 17th century French philosopher named Voltaire. Voltaire lived in France in the 17th century. Voltaire was an atheist, and this is what he said. He goes, by the end of my life, I will stamp out Christianity in France. There will be no more churches. There will be no more Bibles. Voltaire bought a house. Watch this, church. Bought a house, and in the basement of this house, he put a printing press. And from this printing press, he printed out thousands upon thousands of leaflets and flyers, and he would pass them out saying, God is dead. The church is a lie. You don't need your Bible. Bring me your Bible. I'll give you money. And they would have Bible burning parties. And from the basement of Voltaire's house, from his printing press, he would print out thousands upon thousands of leaflets and flyers saying, Christianity is a lie. Christianity is wrong. The church is dead. And Voltaire said, by the end of my life, there will be no more Bibles in France. Guess what? Voltaire died. And here is the irony of our great God. Voltaire died. The Geneva Bible Society bought Voltaire's house and used Voltaire's printing press in the basement of that house to print more Bibles. <laughs> a movement of God cannot be stopped. It's a reality. Point number four, and this is our last point, the last one here, and we'll be done. You know what it means when a preacher says he's almost done? Not much, right? Amen? But we are almost done. Point number four, write this down. A movement of God is about Jesus. A movement of God is about Jesus. Listen, if God is in it, 
it's going to be about Jesus. Anytime that we try to make this movement anything other than Jesus, God will not be a part of it. Listen, the moment that a church is no longer about Jesus, God is not a part of it. Everything is about Jesus. My life is about Jesus. Your life has to be about Jesus. The church has to be about Jesus. The student ministry has to be about Jesus. A movement of God is about Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, it must be about Jesus. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's got to be about Jesus. Look at this, verse 40. And when they had called the apostles back in after Gamaliel addressed them, it says they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of what church? Jesus, and let them go. Look at verse 41. And when they left the council, the presence of the council, they were rejoicing, they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. What? Like they bring them in, Gamaliel says, hey, leave it alone. If it's a movement of man, it'll die. If it's a movement of God, you can't stop it. So just leave them alone. And they bring the guys in and they beat them. And then it says the guys left rejoicing. They were worthy to suffer the name of Jesus. Whoa. Now look at verse 42, the last verse we'll be looking at. It says this, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they went home and pouted. Is that what your Bible said? They went home and got in the fetal position and sucked their thumb and gave up. How many of you have known people that at one time they claimed to love Jesus and then walking with Jesus got a little bit hard so they gave up? How many of you people know people like that? Or how about this? How many of you know people like this that said, hey, they love Jesus and they worship God and you even saw them at church, but then they went through something difficult and they no longer are walking with the Lord? Do you know people like that? We all do, right? See, sometimes it gets a little bit hard. Hey, listen, and when we go through hard things, that really shows where our faith is, doesn't it? See, some of us, we love Jesus as long as he is doing everything we want him to. See, faith is not getting God to do what you want him to. Faith is saying this, God, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But God, I trust you. Because at the end of the day, in Romans chapter 8, it says you're doing all things for your glory and my good. So God, I trust you. So look at what they did. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. Look at verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Amen. Amen? Listen, so what do you do with guys like that? The answer is nothing. It's a movement of God. Stay out of their way. They said, hey, Peter, stop preaching the gospel. And Peter goes, well, here's the gospel. And they say, hey, Peter, we're going to beat you. And he goes, great, I get to rejoice in suffering for my Lord. Hey, Peter, do not go out there and talk about Jesus anymore. And most of us would go, okay. <laughs> and Peter goes, I'm going to do it in every single house. <laughs> what do you do with someone like that? Like one of my favorite verses in all the scripture is Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Do you know that verse where the apostle Paul says this? To live is what? Jesus Christ. To die is what? Gain. What do you do with a brother like that? Hey, Paul, we're going to let you live. Great. Today's about Jesus. Hey, Paul, we're going to kill you. Great. I get to go be with Jesus. <laughs> what do you do with someone like that? You know what it tells us? 
that we get to end the sermon the way we started it. Everybody, take a deep breath with me. Go like this. You know what it tells us? If our God is for us, who can be against us? And our God always wins. See, our God has today in his hands, and our God has tomorrow in his hands. Have you ever went, read the book of Revelation? He wins, and because our king wins, we win. Amen? Satan is already defeated. And think about this, church. Satan always wants to bring up your past, doesn't he? Hey, remember when you did this? Remember how you did this? The church don't love you. Pastor Sean don't care about you. The youth pastors don't care about you. You did this. God doesn't love you. And he always wants to bring up your past. Listen, the next time Satan brings up your past, bring up his future. That sucker loses. Amen? If God is for us, who can be against us? We can't lose. If we get today, make it about Jesus. If God calls you home today, you get to go be with Jesus. And how many of you are ready for that? I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more tired I get of fighting gravity. Amen? <laughs> Jesus wins. And I win because of my Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So friends, is your life about Jesus? Is every breath about Jesus? Listen, if your life is not about Jesus, then you're missing it. Every breath you have is for Jesus. And the moment that you lose that breath, it's too late. And listen, friends, here's the reality. This may not be politically correct, but it's biblically correct. You can either be a part of the movement of God, or one day you'll be ran over by the movement of God. Because one day Jesus is coming back. And the first time Jesus came, he came to make peace between God and man. When Jesus comes back again, he's coming back to make war against all those that oppose God. Every day is about Jesus. Is your life about Jesus? If not, today is the day. Because here's the deal, friends, is when we realize that our Jesus has relentlessly pursued us and our life is about relentlessly following him, a movement of God cannot be stopped. As the Bible comes back up, or as the band comes back up, and the Bible, we still need the Bible. Because of Jesus, listen, church, this is how we end our weekend. It's been our theme all week. Because Jesus has relentlessly pursued me, now I must be a disciple that relentlessly pursues him. Listen, friends, my name is Shane, and I'm here to tell you today that I'm no better than any of you. And maybe you're here today and you say, Shane, you don't know what I've done. Listen, you don't know what I've done. But one thing I can tell you is you can't out God's grace. The cross is sufficient. Jesus wants you. And so maybe you're here today and go, well, I want to relentlessly follow Jesus, but I got to get some things right first. I got to clean myself up. No, that's not the gospel. That's called self-righteousness, and that is sin. It's letting Jesus find you right where you're at and love you right where you're at, but he loves you so much he's not going to leave you that way. Let him change you. So because God has relentlessly pursued us, We must relentlessly pursue him because now it's time for the church to be disciples of Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, that means we won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. Because we are disciples of Jesus, that means our past is redeemed, our present is purposeful, our future is secure. 
Because of Jesus, my face is set. My feet move fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. But my God named Jesus is reliable and my mission is very, very clear. Because we are disciples of Jesus, that means we cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, hired away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. Church, it's time that the church get a backbone because of who our king is, and it's time for the church to stand up. Let's stand up, church. If you're a disciple of Jesus, it's time for the church to stand up because it's about time we got to stand up, we got to wake up, pray up, sing up, preach up, pay up, and never give up, let up, or back up until our King Jesus calls us up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that this movement is about you. And it's not a movement of men. It's your movement. God, we thank you out of your love and grace you relentlessly pursued us. Because you first pursued us, we can now pursue you as disciples. God, would you mobilize the church to be about your movement? Meaning your movement is about us obeying you. Your movement is a reality. Your movement is about the gospel. Your movement is about Jesus. So would we be about Jesus in our everyday life? Not just on Sundays, but every day. So at this time, I'm going to ask Pastor Sean if he would come forward. And, and Matt and Josh are going to be at the back. If you're here this morning, friend, we're not going to drag this out. If you're here this morning, friend, and you say, man, I need to be a part of that movement. Listen, this promise is only for Christians. Listen, I'm not asking you if you prayed a prayer. I'm asking you, do you know without a doubt that Jesus is your king? Do you know without a doubt that he is your savior? Do you know without a doubt that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you? If you're here today and you say, I know he doesn't, or maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know if he does or not. Listen, this is your time. How can a God so big and a God so powerful that he overcame the grave, how can a God that big and powerful live inside of you and you not know if he's there or not and be radically changed by it? So if you're here today and you say, I don't know, today is the day to know. As long as you have breath, you have an opportunity. The moment you lose that breath, it's over. So if you feel Jesus is calling you to be a part of this movement today of following him, then this is your time. And I wanted to invite you to confess with me. Listen, there's no magic in a prayer. Prayers don't save people. Jesus saves people. Praying is communicating to Jesus. So it means you mean it with all your heart. The Bible says if you confess with your mouths and believe in your heart, you should be saved. So I want to encourage you to do that right now. Maybe you just confess with me. and Maybe you just confess something as simple as this. Just confess this with me. Just say, God... Thank you for creating me. God, thank you for reminding me today that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, thank you for living the life that I could not live and dying the death that I could not die. Jesus, thank you for overcoming the grave. So today I confess you as king. I believe with my heart that you have called me to be a part of this movement of following you. So Jesus, today I want to do that. God, thank you for saving me. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today and confessed that with me and you truly meant it, would you just look up and meet eyes with me and by saying that, you're like, man, I mean that. 
I mean that. Listen, if you're looking up and meeting eyes with me, this is your time. In just a moment, I'm gonna finish our prayer and I'm gonna say amen. And the moment I say amen, I want you to come and grab the pastor by the hand or go to the back, grab one of the youth pastors by the hand and say, I confess that today and I truly meant it and I'll never be the same. Would you come? The moment I say amen, would you come? Maybe you're here today and you just, you know you're a Christian, but you just need somebody to pray with you. Would you come? Maybe you're here today and you've been visiting this church for a while, so you want to be a part of the movement of what this church is about. So you want to join this church today. You could come and talk to the pastor, youth pastor about joining the church. Or maybe you're here and you need to be baptized. Maybe you got baptized when you are younger and got saved when you were older, and now you need to get the baptism on the right side of your salvation. Or maybe you've been saved, but a step of obedience for you is to be baptized. If you want to talk to somebody about baptism, come. Whatever God is moving you to do today, be a part of the movement. Obey it and come. I'm going to pray in the moment I say amen, it's your time to come. Father, we thank you. God, would you bring forth those who you are speaking to? God, would they talk to somebody today? God, would you give them boldness? We saw boldness in Christ on the cross for us. May we boldly take a stand today of relentlessly following you. God, we pray these things in your holy and precious name. And all of God's people said, amen. This is your time to come forward, to go to the back. Come now. Thank you.